It was about 10 till 7 this morning on Eastern Time that I awakened. The alarm was set for 7. When I awakened, I paused and thanked the Lord for the day at hand and for what we were going to be engaging therein this week. I arose, had breakfast, tidied up, got in the vehicle. Love it when I do gospel meetings on Central Time because I gain an hour coming. And as I was driving on Highway 60 going to Dayton, taking 27 South, 111, then Highway 8, I got to thinking about things. How about Psalm 118, verse 24? This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I was looking at how beautiful the day, the day was, the day is for that matter. Beautiful blue sky, couldn't have been drawn any better. Then I got to thinking about Psalm 85, 6. Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? And I thought about being here for a time of revival in this gospel meeting. I don't know about you, but to me every Lord's Day is a day of revival. Every time we can gather together to worship the Lord, it's a day of revival. And then I thought of 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And how we can assemble together as those victorious in Christ, His church, and to spend this time together. I came to you in 2003. Came to you in 2008. Now I'm here again in 2016, which brings me to one question. Haven't you all got better enough sense than that? I'm grateful you pursue what I pursue. And I'm grateful that we can pursue together a simple question. For what are you searching? For what are you searching? Your elders, your shepherds, your overseers, yes, for that matter, your pastors, your bishops, as a combined group of men, could easily be called the presbytery from 1 Timothy chapter 5. They set forth that theme. That tells me the shepherd knew that there are sheep who are searching. Not only that, but the shepherds know who comes among the flock and of individuals who very well are searching. Whatever your status is in life, you're searching for something. I'm searching for something. The psalmist was searching. Psalm 77, 6, a text theme of the meeting, if you will. When the psalmist said, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my heart and my spirit made diligent search. I communed or I joined together with my heart and my spirit is making a diligent search. The psalmist said, I'm not going to see, I'm not going to cease my searching. I'm out there looking. I'm out there searching. And as I thought about the idea, the theme of searching this hour, And for each time we assemble together, I was thinking about passages in the Bible 
that deal with search, seek, seeking, that, that intense purpose. And so each time we ask the question, or the statement, if you will, from Psalm 77, 6, I'd like for you and I to give an answer. And then each time we assemble together, I want to talk about something that folks are searching. And prayerfully, through the Bible, God's holy word, we will be able to give a proper response to that. When I was thinking about searching and seeking, it took me to Ruth, the third chapter. Now, I know we read from Philippians 1.27. We're going to get there. Just bear with me. And I was looking at Ruth 3 and verse 1. And this is where Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, expresses to her that she is seeking for her and seeking for her own good. Now that parallel is going back to Ruth 1 and verse 9 to when Ruth desired to go back home with Naomi. Naomi told her, I don't have boys anymore. Not only had Naomi lost her husband, she had lost both of her boys. One of them was married to Ruth. Those are two ladies that were hurting. They were suffering. But Ruth desired to go back with Naomi. A Moabite desiring to go back who declared, your God will be my God. And so as they went back, chapter 3, verse 1, she wants to seek, the bottom line is, she wants to find a good man for Ruth. And so that day, Ruth goes to glean in the field of a fellow by the name of Boaz. Ruth came home and told Naomi, how kind Boaz was. And then Naomi replied to Ruth about he was a kinsman. The best way I can describe that, my daddy retired from Ford Glass Plant in Nashville. And they would have the local union insignia on a lot of their caps and jackets so whenever I would run into somebody in town who had that UAW 737 I knew they worked at Ford Glass Plant and I remember I'd go up and I'd speak to these gentlemen and I'd say something to them and I would tell them my daddy retired from Ford and I told them I said tell me what your nickname is daddy told me you didn't know fellas at work by their names they all had nicknames. And folks, i got to tell you, some of them I kind of wondered where they got them from. I'm convinced factories have a nickname book somewhere. And the old boy might look up and said, well, tell him Hoghead or tell him Spike or somebody, you know. So when I get home, I said, Daddy, I met a fellow that worked with you at Ford Glass Plant. I said, they called him and I'd give the nickname. And Daddy would look up and say, oh, he's a fine fellow. Now, in Ford Glass Plant lingo, if one co-worker said about you, you were a fine fella, you were up there. Here's the translation of what Ruth said to Naomi when she spoke of Boaz. You know what Ruth and Essence, oh, Naomi, Naomi and Essence said? He's a fine fella. I love that account because she was looking for rest. 
for, for Ruth. That it may give you rest. I may seek rest for you. It will be well with you. And so to seek rest, she wanted to find Ruth, a husband. And you know the rest of the story, as in the words of the late Paul Harvey, their little one they had continued the lineage of Christ. When I put that together, for what are you searching? I can tell you people are searching for rest. We live in a crazy old world and we're searching for rest, for contentment, for a peace of mind. We are searching for the problems to be limited and for our faith to become the maximum. And as I look at that brief account of Naomi and Ruth and find the desire was for rest, that she would find that husband, I think about the desire that we have in searching for rest that only Jesus can give according to Matthew eleven twenty eight, Coming to me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And we go on to see that the rest Jesus is speaking is a rest for their souls, for our souls. That our souls may have rest and peace of mind and ease. Our minds, our hearts can have that regardless of what we might face. When I also see the search of rest in parallel with a husband, I can't help but to think of how Ephesians 5, 22 through 33 parallels the husband and wife physical relationship to Christ and the church. So those as the church are married to Christ. Paul rebuked them for how they would be seeking others back in the book of Romans and how they would seek others when they had a husband. Even back in the days of old, Isaiah and other prophets, how that they would seek after, then become in essence spiritual adulterers going into a world and leaving God. So this morning, for what are you searching? Are you searching for a rest and a peace of mind and a peace of heart? Here's where you'll find it. You'll find it in the church. Nowhere else. You'll find it in Christ, in His body, in Christ, which is in His church, which is His body. Colossians 1.18 I know from your faithfulness through the years, and the good words you hear of Bobby Branch. And I know through Tony's faithfulness in serving you for 31 years, that is to be commendable, not only on Tony's sake, but also for your sake, that you would love and embrace he and Coretta so much and their family to grow together. Your elders are men that meet those qualifications and men that serve diligently. Deacons that labor. Your work is well known. I'm honored to stand here. Very excited to be here. 
So within the next 60 seconds, permit me to say of something you already know. You know of the church. You know of the church of Christ. You know of the church that was purposed in the mind of God, the eternal purpose, Ephesians 3, 10 and 11. You know not only was it purposed before time began, but it also was prophesied of old as in Isaiah 2, 2 and 3. And promised of Jesus Christ that He would build it in Matthew 16, 18. And purchased by His blood in Acts 20 and verse 28. And the end result is we become a people of His possession according to 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. We are that chosen generation, that holy nation, that royal priesthood, a peculiar people or more understanding in the modern day definition, a people for His possession. So what do you have with the church? Purposed, prophesied, promised, purchased, and possession. That's what you have. And so when you are of God's possession, I want you to see what is available to you in the church. And those of you who are searching for peace, contentment, and rest, here is your answer. Now we go to Philippians 1, 27 through 30. And within that text, you'll find the answer to a congregation of God's people there at Philippi. What I like to call the model church. And what I like to look at their actions, I want you to see how their life as the church of Christ, as the church, how their lives made a difference. And if you're searching, are you searching for the church? People have unique concepts about the church. Someone says, well, we need to get in church because of the children. That's an honorable thought. But might I submit that if you get into the church as an adult, the youngins will not be far behind. It's kind of like on an airplane. A lady stands up there before you take off on that flight and said, just in case the pressure in the cabin begins to drop, you will notice that a mask will drop down from where you are seated. Please take the mask, please expand it, please put it on the front of your face and breathe normally. Please do this for yourself first before you assist anybody else. Mamas and daddies, you need to be putting the mask of the church, if you will, to breathe Christ in your life and the children will not be far behind. Someone says, well, give me Jesus, but don't give me the church. Do you want me to translate that? Do you want me to give you a fellow Middle Tennessee country boy redneck definition of that meaning? I want to talk about Christ, but I don't want to go to worship. I don't want to go to church. I want to sit at home and do what I want. 
I'm not going to knock Jesus, but I'm not going to live for Jesus. Give me Jesus, but not the church. And that's the biggest bunch of garbage I've ever heard. You could take that sin, drag that thing over there on Highway 8, and let the buzzards peck it to death. While I'm on that, if you have something that dies at your house, don't bury it. Drag it over on Highway 8. There was a union meeting of buzzards this morning picking something clean. Listen to me. People have their concepts about the church that on a surface do sound fairly decent. I mean, give me Jesus, that's great. When you say not the church, then here's what you're saying. Give me the head, but don't give me the body. Folks, do you know what you call that? Death. You separate the head from the body, what's going to happen? Death. You separate Christ from His church, death. You're not going to find that answer. When you and I settle in of the five P's we mentioned of the church moments ago, let's look at within the church, within Christ, what's there. First of all, notice with me that you will have worthy living. Verse 27 speaks of let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. The gospel that called them, 2 Thessalonians 2.14, the gospel that they were commanded to teach, Mark 16.15, the gospel that's the power unto salvation, Romans 1.16, and Romans 1.17, where the righteousness of God is revealed, the just shall live by faith. When you and I accept that gospel and we obey the gospel message, Then our lifestyle, our conversation, American Standard Version, manner of life, other translations may say citizenship. It does in Colossians 3.20. Conversation there is citizenship. Going to talk more about that in the Bible study hour. But this idea of citizenship, the word in the original language is actually where we get the English word politics. Let your politics be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. You are a citizen. You are, let your conversation, let your lifestyle be what it should be. And the lifestyle of the Christian is a new lifestyle, a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 After all, when one is baptized into Christ and is raised to walk in what? Newness of life. Galatians 2.20 We are crucified with Christ, nevertheless we live, yet not I, but Christ lives in us. And according to Ephesians 4.1, we walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called. My friends, for what are you searching? If you're searching for rest, you're searching for the church, find within the church there is worthy living. There are people who live worthy lives. They don't live as old. They live as new. They're not to live with hypocrisy. Hey, I'm with the person who wants to criticize the hypocrites in a congregation. Let me tell you, folks that are not living faithful lives out in the world do hurt the church. Jesus rebuked hypocrites in Matthew 23. I'm with you. But you know what? If you really want to do what's right... Get your life right. I mean, 
I don't know everyone here this morning. I see you every, every few years, some new, some old. Let me throw something at you. If by chance you're an individual sitting there, and I don't know this, but number this size as possible. If by chance you came this morning, but if by chance you just happened to hold on that you wouldn't attend here because of all the hypocrites, let me suggest to you something. First of all, let's talk about for what you are searching. Get your life right for Christ because you will give an answer to Him. Get your life right and then the first thing we want you to do as a servant of the Lord, we want you to meet with the elders here. And we want you to tell the elders who those hypocrites are over which they have the oversight. And then, if you will, go with those elders and go visit that brother or sister you have an issue with. And let's see if we can help them with worthy living since you've accepted worthy living. But before you go talk to the hypocrite, you better make sure you got your life right. And if you'll allow me, I will borrow Matthew 7, 1 through 5 in that regard. Folks, I'm with you. In the church, there is should be worthy living. Within the church, you'll find a better life and a better way of behavior than any place else you will search. And we have to help one another along life's way. That'll be number three. Let's take this to number two. For what are you searching? If you're searching for the church, you'll find worthy living. But number two you're going to find a worthy attitude. I mean, right here in verse 27, when Paul says to stand fast in one spirit, that lowercase s spirit attitude, folks, everybody should have a good attitude on life. Have you ever been around people who just had a sorry attitude? I mean, nothing is ever right. They're even wrong by being wrong. I mean, they, they are pitiful. Again, take that sorry attitude and drag it out there on Highway 8. Let the buzzer tag it. Folks, when Paul talks about attitude, not only worthy living, but a worthy attitude. I mean, you see this throughout the New Testament. Ephesians 4, 23 to the church, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. One of my favorite texts, 2 Corinthians 12, 18, speaks of Titus and Paul's relationship and the church at Corinth and said, did we not walk in the same spirit, attitude? How about standing fast, the phrase here, standing fast in the faith, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. What a great attitude. Standing fast, you stand, but that word fast is equivalent to concrete. You set that concrete, you let it settle, and it, it takes hold. Whatever you put in that concrete is going to stay. When you stand fast, that means you have chosen to stand and you're going to stay. Nothing's going to budge you. It's a great attitude. Well, how about the right attitude right now in worship? John four twenty four. God is a spirit, capital S, spirit, spirit being, and they that worship Him must worship Him in what? Spirit and in truth. Folks, I can have the truth down pat in worship. 
I can be singing, I can be praying, but if I enter those doors with a sorry attitude, it's going to affect your worship. Have you ever walked in worship mad? Did it affect you? Hadn't something happened in the car or at home getting ready? You see what I'm talking about? You see this attitude, this spirit? John 13, 34, and 35. It's an attitude to where there's love one for another, and that's how the world knows we are His disciples. If we have love one for another, that's, that's beautiful. So what do we have within the church? For what are you searching? If you're searching for the church, you're searching for rest for your souls. Think of what is in the church. There is worthy living. Number two, there is a worthy attitude. And number three, when you and I pick up near the end of verse 27, all the way through verse 30, there you and I find not only worldly living, or rather worthy living, worthy attitude, but you'll find worthy people. Worthy people. When you look at this text in two ways, you'll find people with whom you can strive, and yes, you're going to find people with whom you will suffer. When I think about that word strive, it's an athletic term. It means that you put forth, you work together, and you lean with one another, and you help one another. I, when I think of that, I can't help but to go to Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9, how two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There's something of striving together. Striving. That love back in 1 John or John 13, 34, and 35. That was a new commandment. Jesus said, I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. And by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. We strive together. What are we doing? There's worthy living. There's a worthy attitude. And now you're with worthy people who what? Who have worthy living and a worthy attitude. I love to be around those people. And then when we look at that phrase of striving together for the faith of the gospel, we're on the same page. Then Paul talks about adversaries, talks about conflict, talks about suffering for Christ. Now listen, just because you have found a place such as the church for which you are searching doesn't mean that you will not suffer. 1 Peter 4.16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian. Now when we look at suffering within the text of Philippians 1, also suffering in 1 Peter 4, we talk about suffering as far as the things that we may face in this life of oppression. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you see that nowadays. Let me just call it straight. When a baker out in Oregon respectfully declines to prepare a cake for a quote-unquote same-sex couple, they get a lawsuit. But if somebody wants to speak out against a decision, 
not to have a transgender bathroom and a decision made by a governor. Now all of a sudden they don't want to take their business to that state. I think it's put this way. Can't think of the location of the passage. Somebody will tell me we're dismissed. The legs of the lame are not equal, folks. Let me just say it and get out of my system. You holler about respect my lifestyle. Well, when we as Christians take a stand, let's be fair and respect ours. Somebody said, Brother Archie, you're getting political. No, Brother Archie's getting biblical and we would do better if we would meet the political with the biblical and change this life. We're the salt of the earth. We're the city on a hill. We are the light of the world. We serve the Christ. The cross is still there and the tomb is still open. And we don't need to back down from anybody or anything. And I realize we do suffer. There are times Satan inflicts suffering and pain. You know that's where it all started. When Satan deceived woman in Genesis 3 and man, suffering and sin entered into this world. It's not God's fault. It's Satan's fault. And I'm going to fight him with the strongest opponent he has. And that is God Almighty with a resurrected son who destroyed him that had the power of death. Listen to me. We are going to suffer and hurt together. How about James 5, 14 through 16? Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let me ask you something. How can I pray for you if you don't tell me? Somebody says, well, I didn't want to bother anybody. Bother! Let me give you a verse that might help you with that. Galatians 6, 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, I was sick and in the hospital and my elders didn't come see me. May I answer that question? Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Grant you, elders as shepherds, 1 Peter chapter 5, 1-4, through 4, have the charge to know the flock, oversee the flock, and tend to things of the flock. But there are going to be times you're going to miss somebody. We are human. But we need to let others know. Somebody asked me one time, said, Jeff, does it bother you when somebody said, I was sick and you didn't come see me? Does it bother me? No, it doesn't anymore. Until there is a nest on my chest and a cape flying off my shoulders, I cannot know everything. But i tell you what I will do. I'll talk with you about it. If you want to ask, why didn't I come see you? May I ask a question? Why didn't you tell me where we could pray about it? I'm going to tell you folks, when I suffer, and when I hurt, I want my fellow brothers and sisters to know, not for pity, but for prayer. Are y'all with me on this? Do this. Are y'all with me on this? I want to know. When my dad was suffering with lung cancer back in 08, 09, I sat down one afternoon to visit with my elders as I do monthly. One of my elders said, Jeff, how's your daddy doing? And I started talking and I had to stop. I just started crying. And I said, brethren, can we pray about this? I'm going to tell you something. When you sit down with elders 
and they pray for you, you are ready to come out of that room and take on the world. In the church, there's worthy people who will help you bear your burdens. Galatians 6.2 Who will lift you up? Who will strengthen you? You know, in a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation, exhortation, encouragement about why I keep Jesus waiting. I'm reminded of that beautiful portrait. You've seen it where Jesus is knocking there on the door. But if you'll notice, there's no handle on the outside. And the author, the, 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 uh, the painter rather, designed it that way. The painter designed it that way because we have to be the one to open the door. So let's just lay it like this. There's a beauty about faith in God. Through that faith I learn through His Word and I learn of repentance, which means I can change my direction in life today and start in a new direction. I can confess Christ as the Son of God. I can be buried with Him into His death, into the waters of baptism, Romans 6, 3 through 6. I can be raised to walk in newness of life. I can have my sins washed away. Do you know that adds you to His church? A place that you're searching. And within that church, there's worthy living. There's a worthy attitude. And there are worldly people, or worthy people. There are people who are there to help you along. You don't have to bear it by yourself. Meanwhile, you're going to stand in a moment, and you're going to stand there with sin-dripped body, knowing that you need to obey the gospel of Christ. Knowing that you've come with that wife for 41 years. Knowing you've come with that husband for 28 years. Knowing that you grew up in a household knowing about Christ at age 18, 19. Knowing that you moved away from home and you never obeyed the gospel. This morning, if you're searching for the church, you have found it. But like in the picture, you've got to open the door. You've got to do that. And you can do that. And dear brother or dear sister, are you hurting Are you struggling? Are you brought sometimes to the point that you just fall to your knees in your own house and just shed tears over suffering and hurt? Listen, look around. We bear the burdens. We carry our crosses daily. But if you try to fix it by yourself, you're going to get yourself worse. But I'll tell you what. If you'll respond and say, I can't handle it anymore. Pray with me. Pray for me. Let's start some revival today. Because waiting right now is a loving Savior. And within His body, there are worthy people that are ready to pray with you and pray for you. If you're searching for the church, you're searching for rest. You have found it. Will you accept it as we stand together and as we sing?